Well, last week we started a, a new sermon series called Why, and I try to do this once every year, two years, and, and we try to explore some of the basic practices and beliefs within Christianity and ask, hey, why do we do that? Why do we practice that? Why do we believe that? And uh, many of you who maybe have been uh, Christians or Jesus followers for a long time, you go, yeah, I know that. Why are we talking about that again? But we need to be reminded of things, don't we? If we don't get reminded of things, we forget them. If we don't practice things, a lot of times we forget them. We, uh, James and I had a professor um, in, uh, in our seminary, and I remember he used to say uh, this. He would say, you got to tell them, and then you got to tell them again, and you got to keep telling them. That's what he told us. He said, you got to just keep telling people the same thing. And we do. We need to know that, you know. Um, I remember growing up as a kid, my parents had to tell me certain things over and over again because I didn't get it. I needed to be told. I needed to do it over and over again. And now I find myself saying those same things to my kids, right? So we need that practice. But if you remember, last Sunday we looked at why freedom was important. And we just celebrated, of course, on Tuesday our country's Independence Day, and that reminded us of the, the human need and the human desire for freedom and for independence in our lives. That you, but Paul said, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature in your fleshly desires, but rather serve one another in love. And he says, this is what it looks like. It looks like fruit that's produced, fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what that looks like when you are living by the Spirit. And those two natures, the fleshly nature and the spiritual nature, they're in conflict with each other. They're distinct, you know, so that you don't do just what you want to do. Because that's what I want to do, right? I want to do what I want to do. I'm generally selfish and want to do what I want to do. But that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to transform us from living in our fleshly nature to living by the spiritual nature, to transform our lives. And it's a process by which we are changed from the inside out, from acting on our own nature and begin to live and act by the Holy Spirit in producing that fruit that he talks about. And he gives us insight into why it is important for us to have the Holy Spirit inside of us as a follower of Jesus. Now, when you think about the Holy Spirit, sometimes I, I described it in the first services. A lot of times people are excited about reading the book of Revelation. And it doesn't have an S on the end, by the way. But anyway, was it Revelations? But Because it's like, oh, it's all that stuff about the end times and it's, you know, six-headed monster and it stands for this. And, 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 and we've had some amazing ladies that are teaching those Bible studies and guys that are teaching. And it's, it's great stuff. But there's two dangers in that. One is that we get so caught up in Revelation and what it says and what will happen that we're not paying attention to the practical everyday Christian living. But the other example is, is go, well, it's so confusing and we really don't know, so let's never look at it. No, those are both not healthy. Because that's God's word, right? And we need to know about it. And I think the Holy Spirit's the same way. Some of us and some of you come from backgrounds uh, where the Holy Spirit was taught to you as something that has to happen to you in some supernatural way. And please, when I'm saying this, don't anybody get mad. I'm not making fun of your background. I'm just saying, I know I've been in churches where people do some pretty... Um, uh, demonstrative is the word I'll use, things in the service... 
And you're like, what is going on here? You know? And if you grow up in that kind of background and people tell you if you're not filled with the Spirit and you're not doing that, like running around the church or you're not handling the snakes, and I'm not making fun of that, it's a real thing that people do in their services, um, then you don't really have the Holy Spirit. And some people grow up in that environment and they feel guilty and they feel alienated from God because they don't ever do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So what I want to say about that is, is in Scripture, we see clearly in Scripture that the Holy Spirit does some supernatural things that we know are supernatural, but there's also other times where the Holy Spirit works in a very calm way where He prompts people to do things, and it's not supernatural. It's not out in front and crazy. It's just very quiet, but He is still working. Does that make sense? And so we see that in the Scripture. Not, not, either one is not bad, but we can't say it's got to happen like this because then we're not living by the Spirit. We're trying to guess, and we can't necessarily do that. So I want to kind of just look at that and, and some of the roles that happen. But obviously the Holy Spirit is there to transform our lives. Jesus, in, in Luke's Gospel, he was tell, teaching his disciples how to pray. And one of the things he said about that, he says, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. In the same way we should ask the Father to transform our lives by the Holy Spirit. It's a gift, but we've got to ask for God to allow that gift in our lives to, to change us and transform us. And as humans, we want to do what we want to do. And Jesus talked about this Holy Spirit. He promised it to His disciples and to us that this Holy Spirit would be a gift that He was going to give when He left and that they would be baptized by the Holy Spirit, immersed in that Holy Spirit. So I want to look at two texts where Jesus promised specifically the Holy Spirit would come, and this will be from John's Gospel. And John dedicates five chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, to the, what went on that night when they were with Jesus at the Last Supper. The other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about that Last Supper, but just very, you know, not much written about it. But John spends, because he was there. And the Holy Spirit inspired John to say, I want everybody to know what Jesus talked about that night. And so he specifically says, this is what Jesus said the night before he died. So we're going to look at chapter 14 and listen to how Jesus talks about this Holy Spirit that's coming. Um, verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Did you hear Jesus use that word advocate and gift? The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's an advocate that he sends to us. And he says, it will teach you all things. It will remind you of everything I've said to you. And we know that there were times when those early disciples were preaching or teaching or sharing the gospel with somebody where they went, how am I remembering this? I know I was there, but how do I remember this in detail as they're talking? And they had to have known this is the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus said, he would remind me of everything. Because again, 
these gospels weren't written to a long time after all these things happened with Jesus. How did they recall all those things? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired them to remember these things. And another role we see of the Holy Spirit is not just transforming our lives, but that it guides us in the truth. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would remind us of these teachings. So it's important when the Holy Spirit is truly working in our lives that it drives us, it motivates us to study the Scriptures. The Spirit will reveal His Word to us. And that's why I say a lot of times in my sermons, when I say things, you should not take my word for it. You should be looking and say, is that right? Is Craig's, is that really in the Bible? You need to look and see if it really is in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit sometimes prompts us when people say things about God or about Jesus or about the Bible, and we kind of go, is that right? Have you ever had somebody say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to, and they said what they were going to do or what they did, and you kind of went, I don't believe that's in there. Do you, y'all are laughing because you know it's true. Sometimes people manipulate the Bible, God, the Holy Spirit, into doing things. But if it doesn't match up with Scripture and what we see the Holy Spirit doing in the Bible, then maybe it's really not of the Holy Spirit. And it's not like a trick thing that we have to always be worried about it. You know, I was joking about Revelation because people worry about stuff like, oh no, I have 666 on my credit card. Does that mean I'm going to hell? <laughs> well, no. It doesn't mean that. Don't get caught up in crazy stuff like that. But you need to say, is that... Is what happening here? Is that really something that I see clearly in the scriptures that God's trying to reveal to me, reveal truth to me? And as a result, we move away from maybe wrong beliefs into having a better theology because of the power of the Spirit. And when Jesus taught, there was a conflict with the religious leaders, wasn't there? Because there was truth and there was untruth. They were about legalism and Jesus was about what? Grace. And those were in conflict, and that's why there was the conflict. God is about grace, not about legalism, and there was a conflict there. But we know the Spirit was with Jesus to to show what the truth was. Here's another text from Jesus, um, from John, and with his disciples that night, sharing about the Holy Spirit, and this is from John 16. And this is what Jesus said, But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Talking about he's going to be killed. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, there's a lot there that Jesus is talking about. But the one I want to kind of concentrate on there that he talks about is that the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. We need to be convicted of sin, y'all, because sin is a real thing. But in our world now, there's this kind of this, well, we, I'm not sure. There's people that don't believe that sin is sin. We know what sin is. Why? Because God tells us anything we do to hurt ourselves, to hurt others, or to hurt God in that relationship, what he says is sin is sin, not what we decide. Because if, we, if it's up for us to decide, 
it's going to be chaos all over the farm, right? Because well, what you say is sin is sin for you, but it's not sin for me. What it's sin for me is, is sin for me, but it's not necessarily sin for you. That's crazy. And that's where our culture is right now, right? And so people aren't convicted about things because I guarantee you anything I want to do in this world, I can find a person or a group of people that will ag me on and go, yeah, let's do that. Even if it's sin, right? And so we have to be very careful with that. The Holy Spirit convicts us. And Jesus in that passage talks about the Holy Spirit will come and convict us of sin in our life. And we need to know what the truth is. And when we're talking with people about what sin is, there's people in this world that want to say, that's not really a sin. I know what the Bible says, but I'm smarter than the Bible. I'm smarter than God, and I don't think that's sin. Well, that's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? And God sent His Son to die for sin. Do you realize how serious God takes sin? That He let His Son die so that you could be forgiven not to send you to hell, but so that you wouldn't go there separated from him forever. And we read in chapter 2 of Luke's Acts of the Apostles about the Holy Spirit when it came on the day of Pentecost, just as Jesus had promised. And those believers who were there that day, it was obvious that they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember, and again, if you've never read this, go to Acts 2 and read it this afternoon or sometime this week. It came upon them. It was showing that Peter and all of those people, they had these tongues of fire on their head and they started speaking in a, a different language. But it was a language specifically geared towards people in the audience so that they could hear the gospel of Christ. It wasn't some odd language that nobody could understand. No, it was a specific language. And the people that were there were going, that person who does not know my language is telling me about Jesus in my language. How is that possible? And they knew it had to be because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sharing the truth. And we know that when Peter got up to give that sermon, I'm sure the rest of the disciples were going, he has never given a sermon like this. Where is that coming from? And they knew it had to be the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people accepted Jesus that day and were baptized. Which leads us to another role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to share Jesus with people. This was obvious in Acts 2, but we see it throughout the whole book of Acts, throughout the, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Shared, somebody was sharing Jesus with other people. You remember Peter and John, they're walking one day to the temple, and they see this lame man who they've seen there days and days, but for some reason that guy asked him for money, and Peter stopped and says, I don't have any money. I don't have silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was prompted by the Holy Spirit, and there was probably this moment of truth where it was like, and he got up, and he walking and leaping. That was a BBS song at one time, anyway. And praising God, y'all, or Sunday school song. But anyway, that's what happened. But they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. Um, Philip was prompted to go to this chariot where this Ethiopian official was reading the Old Testament and not understanding anything about it and was curious. And it says, go over there and wait. And remember, Philip went over there and says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone helps me? That was the Holy Spirit. Ananias to Saul. The Holy Spirit prompted him to go and meet with this guy named Saul who's been persecuting the church. And he's like, wait a minute, not that guy. But again, the Holy Spirit prompted him. Peter 
went to Cornelius' house and shared the gospel. I'm a Jew. I'm not allowed to go into Gentile houses, but the Holy Spirit prompted him to do that. All these are evidence of the Holy Spirit working in and through people to share Jesus Christ. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, there, that scares us a little bit. Have you ever been like talking to somebody and you felt maybe a prompting, I really should share Jesus with them, but you're scared. I don't want to make it awkward. I don't know if I should say, what if they ask me a question I don't know? What am I going to do? That's, that's normal. But that's when we say, but I have the gift of the Holy Spirit that will help me. Whatever that person's questioning, the Lord's going to help me. He didn't put this person... Uh, there's a story uh, Tony Campolo told one time, and he is an evangelist. He's used to talking about Jesus. But he said, I was flying home from a long evangelistic trip, and I was just tired. And there was a guy next to me, and I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit that I should share Jesus with him, but I was just kind of like, okay, God, if you want me to share it with him, you're going to have to give me a sign. So he didn't say anything, just waited for a sign. And he said, finally, the guy leans over and goes, Mr., I need God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Now, it doesn't always happen like that, but he says, I got to talk to him, and he had something going on in his life, and it, he needed God. He really did. And, but because Tony was listening as tired as he was and not really wanting to talk to anybody, he realized that God was prompting him by the Holy Spirit to speak into this man's life, and he led him to Christ. So we have the opportunity, and the Holy Spirit will, because there's people in our lives, in our work, in our schools, in our, even our family members, and we just go, man, I don't know what to say, but the Holy Spirit will help us with that if we will lean into that. And here's another thing about the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that we have to use. If we don't use it, y'all, it can depart from us. One of the saddest lines in the Bible is when the king Saul in the Old Testament it said the Spirit of God left him. He had given him his gift, and so many times that Saul ignored God and didn't listen to God and says, I'm going to do it my own way, that finally it left him. Now, I'm not one to judge when or how that happens, but when we don't use the gift of the Holy Spirit, it can get to where we don't. We don't understand it anymore. It's just like, you're not going to use the gift. You ever given somebody a gift and you see that they never use it? And you go, man, I gave you that. Why do you never use that? So it's a gift for us to use. Another role of the Holy Spirit is to give us spiritual gifts. And I wish I could spend more time on this one. But in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit gives gifts to every believer. And it's in conjunction with what we're gifted at and what we're talented with. And God says we're to use those things prompted by the Holy Spirit to serve the body of Christ and to get the good news of Jesus out through our gift that we have. And a lot of us want gifts of other people, but no, God says the Holy Spirit has given you and has given me a gift that he doesn't give to everybody. Everybody's got a different gift, but they're all used. And Paul uses that magnificent illustration of the body. And just because you're not a hand doesn't mean you're not valuable. You're just as valuable as the foot or the ear, whatever. All of those have to work together. But they're gifts that we've been given, and that is given by the Holy Spirit to serve. And here's another one of the role of the Holy Spirit. It empowers us to worship. Now, i got to say something. I don't know where... I don't know where where's Bonnie? Where, there you are. This morning, I'm telling you, and I, I don't want to embarrass you, but 
when you back off the microphone and smile when you hear everybody singing, that's because the Spirit is leading in worship. I mean, I'm just going out on a limb here. But I saw that today. You could just feel the presence of God as we sing. And y'all know what I'm talking about. It's not every Sunday. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's in your car. And you know when you feel that chill about the words of a song and something you connect in life with? And it's like, man, the Holy Spirit is connecting the words of that song and life and His Word in my heart. Why do I feel? God created us to feel that chill because I'm trying to get you to, I'm emphasizing something to you. And I felt that, I've seen that. But listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That passage is talking about the Spirit in worship, using that to fill us up. And that's why when the singing is as good as it is, is somehow the Spirit is working in all of us to go. I mean, I hope none of us sit there and go, please let the worship service be over. But sometimes we feel like that, don't we? But there's other times where we just feel like, yeah, this, this is connecting with me today. We used to have a guy who was our building, took care of our building for years at, at our old church in East Point. His name was George Cohen. And no matter where George was in the building doing, I don't care if he was mopping floors or vacuuming or stacking chairs or whatever, George was singing hymns. It was amazing. And you just thought, that guy has the Spirit. No matter what he's doing, no matter where he is, he understands praising God. And he just did it out loud. And when you heard it, you just went, wow. You know? And that's what I think it's talking about here. David Paul, in a commentary, shares this about this particular passage. He says, the Greek, the way this is originally written in the Greek of Ephesians is interesting. The central command is to be filled with the Spirit, but the command is modified by five participles, speaking to one another. So when we come to worship and we speak to one another, that's part of worship. And when we're filled with the Spirit, we do that. He says... Uh, uh, speaking to one another, singing and making music, giving thanks always, and submitting to one another. These five participles are either one, he says, how we become filled with the Spirit, or what happens when we are filled by the Spirit. And he says, I think it's both. It's an indication that we are filled with the Spirit, but it's also the Spirit filling us when we do those things in worship. So when we get into worship, the Spirit is doing something in us. And it's different for everybody, right? I heard somebody go, woo, this morning. And I was like, that's what I'm talking That's what I'm preaching about today. And I like it. Now, everybody's not from that background. When we, in this church, in the early days of this church, when I grew up, see, somebody got it back there. Um, it was like worship was reverent. You don't clap. We just didn't do that. And, and that was a sincere thought about that. But is that really true? I, I don't know. There's different ways of doing that. But when you feel the Spirit, whether you're just sitting there and you feel it with your eyes closed and you feel something, or you give out a woo, whatever, the Spirit's doing something to you about that worship to God. It does something to your heart and to your soul. But all of those five participles refer to actions that occur during corporate worship and the Spirit needs to be a part of that. 
And as you do, you put yourself in a position to be filled with the Spirit of God. And at the same time that you're filled with the Spirit, you automatically sing differently. You sing with more meaning in those psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and giving thanks to God. It really describes the ideal working of the Holy Spirit in the corporate body. Because nobody as a worship leader wants to sit there and see nobody getting into it, right? You want to see that as I'm leading people to the throne room of God, they're participating in that. Now, as I talk about these different things about the Holy Spirit, one of the uh, one more I want to, uh, two more I want to close with is one is uh, leading us. The Holy Spirit leads us, and we've already talked about that. But you remember that in Matthew, when Jesus, right before his ministry started, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to be tempted by Satan. Think about that. Now, Jesus could handle that because he had the Holy Spirit God with him, but it was still something that needed to be done to show us how the Spirit can work if we rely on it, and that's exactly what Jesus did. But also, I mentioned the one in Acts where the, uh, Philip was led by the Holy Spirit to go up to that chariot and, and talk to this Ethiopian official. Paul and Barnabas, when we read throughout Acts, they went to all these different missionary journeys, and there were times where it says specifically that the Spirit told them to go to Macedonia one time, and then another time the Spirit said, don't go to that town. And there was a reading, but, but they were so locked into leading the leading of the Holy Spirit that they listened and said, that's not where the Holy Spirit wants me to go. Now, please don't feel frustrated if you don't say, I, Craig, I don't, I've never heard this audible speaking you're talking about. Neither have I. But I have felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And it points me to do those things which Scripture tells me I should do or not do. It leads me to say, that person has a need. I should do something about it because I have the means to do it. That's the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be complicated. And sometimes I was joking in the first service about James. James has been here 40 years. And James over the years has says, I'm a simple person. <laughs> and I was like, he, he just makes it practical. And that's the way the word. So a couple of weeks ago... Even yesterday, but specifically, I was thinking about McKenna Pickett, a little girl who I baptized a couple of weeks ago. She's only 10 years old. And she made her confession and she was baptizing Jesus because after VBS, she was excited about getting baptized. She received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Does McKenna at 10 years old really understand everything about the Holy Spirit? Well, of course not. But she knows that it's in her, that He forever lives in her as He does others. Others of us who have also taken those steps. And many of us think about that own special day. Our baptism marked the day that we left our old life where we were in charge and we started a new life, not as a loner, not as an orphan, but with the Spirit of God. Jesus says, I won't leave you as orphans. I've given you the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus now living, and that should be alive in us and obvious. Before Jesus in the Old Testament, God showed his presence in many different ways through prophets and through supernatural things, but sometimes in very small ways, but God showed up. And then Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. God was in the flesh in Jesus' life, and in Jesus' life we could see that he lived by the Spirit. It, it boggles my mind that Jesus, in everything he did, was able to never not think about what does God want me to do here, everything he did. And then 
Jesus promised we would have it, and Paul confirmed that we have the Holy Spirit and that we house the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. Think about that. You house the Holy Spirit inside of you. It goes with you everywhere. You can't say, hey, I'm going to go do this, so you stay out here right now. No, it's in you. And the Holy Spirit has begun a work in us, just like it did. I go back to McKenna. Ten years old, he has begun a work in McKenna that will go through her whole lifetime, just like it is in ours, right? He's working every day, and sometimes it's up here, and it's great. God's working through me, and sometimes it's down here. What are you doing? I know you're working, God, but I don't understand it down here in the valley. David wrote a lot of psalms about that, didn't he? But when he was up here, David also wrote about, God, I know you're here. He never stopped recognizing God's presence in his life. Holy Spirit begins a work of transformation, and it's always in us. It goes through our lifetime. It never stops. And we just talked about transforming us, guiding us in the truth, convicting us of sin, empowering us to share Jesus with others, gives us spiritual gifts, empowers us to worship, and it leads us. But I want to close with this one. This is the one that encourages me more than any other thing that the Holy Spirit does. In Romans 8, and we're going to read another part of that for communion in a minute, but in Romans 8, 22 and 27, Paul says this, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And this is the part I love. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever had a wordless groan? Where you go, I don't understand this, God. This doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem just. This doesn't seem right. I, I know you're there, but I got nothing on this one. And it's something, and we don't, sometimes we don't even know what to say. We're so filled with grief and sorrow at what has happened or what we've seen done. And that's what Paul's talking about. And Paul is coming from someone who's not just writing this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is, some, this is someone who has experienced this very feeling. And he, and then Paul writes, he intercedes through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He intercedes for us. And I'm thankful that he does, aren't you? It's like when I'm like, I'm so mad at you, God. I can't believe you let this happen and this happen. And Jesus goes, Father, this is what Craig meant. He is upset because this has happened. It's pretty good. Would you want anybody else interceding for you other than Jesus? And that's what I get so encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And we can live with that energy and breath of the living God in us. That's what spirit is. And that should affect every aspect of our life. Before I do something, when I get up in the morning, I should say, what does the Holy Spirit want me to do today? It doesn't have to be frightening or weird or scary, but it is an amazing power and it is a gift for us to allow 
the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. So this morning, the Holy Spirit, is it in you? Is it in you? And maybe there's somebody here today that needs to, for the first time, invite Jesus into their life and that Holy Spirit. And we want to give you that opportunity. And we're a church that we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit through a lot of different ways. And we, we don't try to, you know, stop any of those. God's going to work how He's going to work. But we're a church that believes in the work of the Holy Spirit through His church and through His people.